I understand it's scary. It's mm-hmm. scary to go at the beginning of a connection and bring your authentic self and be like, hey, some of my core needs are, mm-hmm. you know, I need to have X months of children or I need you to be home with me. Mm-hmm. I can't actually handle long distance at all. Right. Like It's scary to bring up things that we have shame and guilt or feel are a bit embarrassing or, you know, people are going to judge us. Mm-hmm. It's scary. And yet that's where we need to start. Because it's in these critical moments that the true connections will be formed. Hi, and welcome to Helping People Perform, the podcast that gives you fascinating insights into those people whose chosen vocation is to help others perform at their best. From consultants to teachers, sports coaches to financial advisors, all of my guests share a passion for getting the most out of individuals, teams and organisations. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Helping People Perform. Uh, delighted to be joined today all the way from Spain. We have high performance relationship coach and founder at Katerina Polonska Coaching. Welcome to the show today, Katerina Polonska. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, this is, I'm sure this is going to be a fascinating conversation and yet another angle on this topic of helping people mm-hmm. perform at their best. And uh, when when I first found out about the angle that you're coming at, I, I thought, right, that's that's got to be one that's going to be of interest to my uh, my audience. So hopefully we'll have a, a great chat today. Awesome. Um, so before we get started, then, in terms of what you do, let's then find out a little bit more about you and what got you to where you are today. Yeah, good question. So my career's definitely been a bit of a weird one. I've lived in, I think it's now six or seven different countries, been working across three or four different industries. And yet the common theme has been both relationships and coaching. Right. And so throughout my entire life, I've been fascinated by relationships. And that's kind of more on the personal side. So I might actually come to that second. From a professional point of view, I grew up in the world of self-help. So I'm a first generation immigrant, came to the UK when I was four, four or five years old. And being in that kind of immigrant DNA, my family, my parents, mainly my dad, actually, really instilled into me this idea that if I put my mind to it, I can achieve it. And priority number one is to have a good mindset, to do the inner work, and I will get there. Almost to uh, to the point that I began to rebel against it in my teens, right? I was like, I don't want to think positive. I don't want to think about law of attraction. Like, stop talking about Tony Robbins. I'm done with this. Yeah. But it did make me think about relationships. And actually, funnily enough, I was in my... um, not my childhood home, but my mother's house the other day. And I was going to my bookshelf as I was packing up to go to Spain. And I found this book that I remember reading when I was 11 years old. And it was like the guide to everlasting love. And I'm thinking, what was I doing being 11 years old reading that? <laughs> but anyhow, so I grew up in, the, in that world. And I did my first coaching qualification when I was 16, 16, 17. Wow. Um, it was my NLP certification. Yeah, that was kind of my dad, again, putting me through the coaching mail and I really enjoyed it, met some of my best friends there and realized the power of of personal development and went on to uni, went into a very different field, actually went into the champagne and fine wine industry and um, started a business, moved to Spain, actually where I am right now, and then ended up selling that business, moving to the Middle East, doing more champagne and wine stuff. And then it was actually when I was living in the Middle East that I became passionate about, okay, I think I want to have more impact in my career. I think I want to do something a bit more meaningful than just selling champagne and wine, which don't get me wrong, I still love that. But seeing all the inequality and the lack of justice, you know, in the place that I was at and human rights and and all of that kind of more dark stuff, 
I decided to go back to uni and, um, and do a master's and kind of pivot. So I went to Oxford and got a scholarship there actually to study gender studies. And I didn't think that gender would be something I ever looked at. I actually kind of perceived around the topic. I remember looking at like international relations and international development and politics. And in the end, my professor at my undergrad, Nottingham, he was like, what are you doing? Right. Like just do the thing in front of you that you clearly care about, which is gender dynamics. And you care about helping men, helping women, helping all the different, all the different identities out there and helping create equality and equality of opportunity. That's what you care about because you're in a place that that isn't available. So anyhow, so I got over myself, applied, got a scholarship, went, and that changed everything. So I honestly think that my year at Oxford was one of the best years of my life. I went knee deep into studying everything to do with gender, looking at masculinity, femininity, breaking it all down and looking at the psychology and looking at the behavioral science and the phenomenology and how does it, what does it mean to embody different bodies and, mm. and all of this stuff. And I went into philanthropy after that, so international development, thinking again, I'm going to, I'm going to go and have impact in that space, which I did for a few years and ended up living in Canada, but long story short, I burnt out in that space. I burnt out just emotionally. It was really emotionally hard. I was working with with refugees and at the time it was like 2018 there was a lot of refugees and coming from the Middle East and and it was just really really hard work I won't go into it but mm. I ended up deciding okay I, I can't do this my mental health and right. I also realized if I keep doing this I probably will be single forever because all of my emotional heart capacity is going into my work so I went into the for-profit world worked for a behavioral science company and again, began to play with that gender dynamic stuff in the world of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So went on to become a bit of a consultant. I mean, really, the, the role was sales. I was selling to companies different behavioral science solutions to make their people happier and essentially more productive and more engaged. Right. And I really loved that. I really loved working with understanding, like, what is the psychology of a human who is happy, who has well-being, who is thriving in the workplace, what is the psychology behind inclusion, diverse, all of these different things. And that slowly but surely led me to coaching. So I kind of did full circle. And in doing this behavioral change stuff, I realized, well, one-on-one is the best way to affect behavioral change. Like I was doing more group, group training and asynchronous learning. And the data just kept coming out that it's that one-on-one touch point mm-hmm. where you really get the long-term changes. So yeah, I ended up working for a really big coaching company out of London. I moved back to London and I mean, many little things happened there that got me into the relationship space, but that's how I stayed in the coaching right. world. That was a really long answer. I'll quickly answer to the relationship stuff. Oh. Parallel to that, what had been happening in my, I guess, in my personal life and, you know, working with the gender stuff was I spent my 20s obviously traveling around different countries, living across Spain, Dubai, Oxford, wherever. And then when I was in Canada, I remember I got to 29 and I was like, okay, about time I start, you know, settling down and figuring this whole relationship marriage malarkey out. I should probably look at this part of my life more seriously. And yeah, I just, I, I became quite serious. Like, okay, I want to find someone and settle down. Mm. And I did everything that I thought was right. Like truly, I, you know, everything ostensibly on paper looked right. Mm. Like I had the very traditional trajectory of like, I went on Bumble, I met my then fiance. We had a lovely courting period of getting to know each other. We had some lovely dates. Everything was honestly picture perfect. But the whole time something fell off. 
something fell off, something fell off, something fell off. And I was working in behavioral science at this point. So I'm working in the world of psychology and I'm like, I can't figure out what's off. I can't figure out what's going on. And I I was lucky enough that I was earning quite a lot of money. So I was able to pay for different therapists. I started paying for relationship coaches. I spent my day scanning online, reading like, you know, why do I feel off? What's going on in my relationship? Studying like all this horrible stuff, which... I mean, I'm glad I looked at it, but now I'm just like cringe, you know, like how to keep your man, all this awful pop culture rubbish. Right. And I was reading it all and buying all these online programs and going kind of down the, I call them the snake oil coaches, but you know, the snake oil coach route and trying and trying and trying to understand. And I don't, I didn't realize at the time, but I was bending myself like a pretzel to fit into what I thought I should be. Right to be in a good relationship because the relationship was great outside. Like it looked great on paper, right? My Instagram was perfect. <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. And eventually we ended up going into marital counseling. So we got engaged, we ended up being in marriage counseling. And even in marriage counseling, I remember my the marriage counselor, the kind of the subtext and the messaging was, Kat, you need to cool it. You need to stop working so hard. You need to calm down, soften, be a little bit more feminine, be a little bit more gentle. And then the relationship will come. And I remember thinking, like, this doesn't feel right. Right. So, so I don't think I'm that masculine. Like, I, don't, I really, I really don't. I don't know what he's talking about. Like, surely it's not my career. You know, I finished my work at six p.m. I'm just like I'm doing seventy-hour weeks. So I, I couldn't figure it out. But it was this very toxic narrative mm-hmm. of if you want to be successful in a relationship, this is the box that you have to fit in right. to fit these standards and these criteria. And that just didn't feel right. And I was very lucky that in Vancouver, I discovered my own mentor and relationship coach, Lisa Page, who transformed my life. And um, and a really fantastic feminist therapist who, that, that sounds kind of scary. It's not scary. She was just very balanced and very healthy. And she kind of, I remember, very factually spoke to me. And some of the things she said, I was like, oh, I don't like hearing this. I really don't like hearing this. And, yeah, <laughs> I'd go into denial. Does, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but transformed my life. And in the end, I ended up calling off the engagement. I realized it wasn't the right connection. I called it all off. And um, and then I had this existential like, well, how the hell did I end up in that for nearly three years? Like, you know, I'm now older. My fertility has been ticking along. And I have to start over. Like, mm. I don't want to start over. I remember thinking, like, I don't want to get back on the conveyor belt of being single. I thought I'd made it. Right. Like, what is this? I don't want to do it. And at this point, I was already... I was really thinking about moving into coaching full time, working for a coaching company. And as I worked with that coaching company and I got coaching myself, the coaches actually helped me understand that my passion is understanding the relationship space. Right. And it is actually dissecting like what had I done? Where had I gone wrong? Mm-hmm. Where had I been blocking myself? Where had I not been showing up authentically? Really examining my own psychology and doing the own, my own inner work. And the irony is, I think it was like a a week, like a week after I made the decision, I came here in Spain, the day that I was meant to be getting married to my ex, I came here in Spain and I spent a solitary week where I was like, okay, life audit, what am I doing with my life? Do I want to be working in corporate in London? No. Do I want to be in London? No. Do I want to be doing sales for a coaching company? No. What do I actually want to do? And at that point I decided, okay, well, I really care about the relationship space and I really care about looking at gender dynamics and actually really care about working with women at the time and helping them not gaslight themselves mm. into thinking there's something wrong with them. And I actually really believe in coaching because it's been so powerful in my own life. And so 
I decided to quit corporate, go on a sabbatical, maybe move to Spain and, and, and yeah, it's redesigned my life. And a week later, I kid you not, I met my, my now husband, <laughs> like literally. And at that, at that point we were like, well, I guess you're coming with me now. So, um, so yeah, that's what happened. And, and then I began coaching. I created my own coaching company, right. didn't go into relationship coaching. I was too scared. Right. Like full transparency. I was too scared. I was like, what are people going to think? Yeah. I'm corporate cat, you know, I'm whatever regional vice president. I can't do this. It's too scary. Um, and I began coaching founders and executives because I've worked with founders my whole life yeah. and began coaching them on burnout, stress, anxiety, well-being, all the classic areas. And interestingly enough, I had a, I had a principle where I'm going to do minimum 12 sessions with everyone because the data shows very clearly that the optimal results from coaching come at the three to six month mark. So it's like right. 12 sessions, you know, three to six months, I'm committed to results. And that's quite a long time to actually spend with someone. Mm. So after the first probably month of going through like the burnout, the anxiety, the stress, we started looking at the core needs. And I began to realize a common theme with everyone that I worked with, which was loneliness and struggling in relationships. Right. And at that point, I realized, okay, I'm not alone. I've, I'm not alone in what I've been going through. And it looked to me, and it still does, that a lot of the very high achieving hardworking, successful people out there who have everything else in their life figured out struggle with this one area of life, which actually makes a lot of sense, to mm. be honest. The final thing I'll just say, I was with a, a founder in Vancouver a few months ago, and I remember saying, explaining to him what I do, and he kind of looked at me and he was like, huh, makes sense. And I was like, what makes sense to you? And he goes, well, you know, if I, if I put data on it, he's like, you would ask me, what's my number one priority in life? And I'd say, my wife and kids. But actually... If I break down the hours of my day and I look at, you know, how much time I spend sleeping, how much time I spend like doing the basic admin, like life admin work, like yeah. eating and going to the gym and blah, 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 and working and all of this, meeting with investors. And, like, and then I look at how much time I actually spend with my wife. It's like 25 minutes, right? 25 minutes. Mm. And that's coming with no transition time. Probably the brain is fried yeah. from all the work and, and switching of gears. There's very little intentionality in that. So this is 25 minutes of sleepwalking through a relationship every day. And he was like, that would explain why things are so bad. You know, and he, and he opened up very vulnerably. And that got me thinking, like, there really is something here. Right. There really is something here. Mm. And very final thing, <laughs> even if we're not working that hard, the other thing that I see a lot of is in the act of being so high achieving, and I was literally talking to the founder of a coaching company that I'm hopefully going to going to work with. I, I love him to bits. But he was saying how, you know, one of the fallacies is that we think as high achievers that we've cracked the code to many things in life. Right. And I certainly thought that, hey, I've been in the world of personal development since I was 14. I know how to be vulnerable. I know how to show up. I know how to be authentic. You know, I, I can speak my truth and I've done the retreats and I meditate and I do yoga and all of this stuff. I've got it figured out, but I didn't. Mm. And even when I, you know, I was unhappy in relationship and things weren't working, I still didn't see clearly that I was hiding behind a mask. And that mask was my mask of being a hardworking high achiever, right. that mask of perfectionism. Mm. And it honestly took me like a catastrophic breakdown to see through it. And I know a Ukraine war. My dad's in Ukraine when that kicked off, I fell apart. 
Right. And that also was a very humbling experience mm. to um to let that mask down and see like, oh, this is who I really am. Right. Oh, this is what I need to bring to relationship. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I've been writing a few notes as we go along yeah. here. And I think, you know, it's just it's amazing how people's one people's backstory, how it influences their <laughs> that rebellion piece my parents mm. were both teachers growing up and i said i'm never going to be a teacher that was my mm -hmm. internal monologue and i've just mm -hmm. become a teacher by proxy in a lot of ways yeah. i know with a lot of training and development work um but i you know went away from that and found myself mm -hmm. coming back and so many people i've talked to have been through that kind of a journey mm -hmm. um but it's the the story that you're telling about not intentionally going after the relationship thing but realizing the the connections and seeing those trends mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then being able to step back and say, do you know what? I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to target yeah. um, my help, my expertise to help others mm -hmm. be at their best in that mm -hmm. space. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, I think we'd, I know I'm certainly guilty of it. And I'm sure most of the audience, if they sit back and be you know, brutally honest with themselves, that whole story of what's the most important to me, but mm -hmm. what am I demonstrating? Mm. what do my actions and my time and my effort demonstrate in terms of what's you know that important element and i think uh it's uh it's a really good reflection point to, to come back yeah. with people so um i mean you you've talked to it and touched on it already but in terms of who you help and how you help them do mm. you have a specific client set you know you, you talk about founders and uh and mm. people there is that that typically who you would work with and uh and help them through yeah great question mm. so it has been founders i will say it's anyone who identifies as a bit of a high achiever and, and the kind of the irony of that is that most high achievers are like I don't think I'm high achieving enough right? right I get that all the time like I don't think I'm the right person to work with you because I'm not a high achiever and I'm like you're a vice president of a corporate company like you're a high achiever you're fine yeah but by that I just mean anyone who has that desire to do better in life right to you know put the work in put the elbow grease in and get it done mm. because I love I love working with people like that because I mean that wasn't is me and I really appreciate the tenacity and the the drive and the desire like I really get it I understand I understand it and it also comes with certain pitfalls right mm. and so it's something I understand so clearly like it, honestly if I look at the people that I work with I'm like I see myself in all of them right. which is helpful because mm. it's like oh okay there's a common theme here there's a common pattern and so I have a, you know, a 90 day program with really a 12 week system. I really want to formalize that. Yeah. The more clients that I can help through the system, the more consistent mm -hmm. results I can evidence, the more data points. So I'm like, there actually is a bit of a formula here. And this is me being, you know, the irony of being a high achiever here. <laughs> I want to help everyone. But there is something about, it shouldn't have to take everyone. How long did it take me? I want to say tomorrow, like 15 years. So I add it all up. But I was very fortunate that I'm, Yes, I'm an immigrant, but, you know, I'm a white woman with a very privileged upbringing with a family who are in this space right. whose father paid for coaching and therapy. And then I had the cash flow to be able to do that. I had access and I lived in Vancouver where I had such freedom to access these, these different ways of thinking. I'm very privileged and mm. I still found it hard. Yeah. Right. So that is when I came to London and I was like, oh, it's a very different way of thinking here. Like. I was in Vancouver for five years. It really shifted my mindset. Mm. And so if I can help more people who are in that hard working, high achieving space, figure it out, mm. then, you know, the happier I'll be and the more impact I'll be able to have. I really think that's 
yeah, that's what I want to do with the rest of my life. It's definitely the uh, the double-edged sword from a lot of the guests that I've had on so far. It's like, in order to help as many people as you can, mm. often you have to be targeted and you have to mm -hmm. cut yourself down and niche a little bit on yeah, that for front. Sure. And, uh, but yeah, but yeah. And generally, the more you do that, the more ultimately it ends up going out to more people as well. So it's, uh, mm. it's wonderful. Um, do you think? Yeah, I, I definitely. I mean, I've found it myself um, mm. going in this space and I, I've, a lot of the, the people that I've talked to have said the more that I target a just a specific industry mm. or specific group of people. I talked to one lady through a network and she was coaching for executive women um, in their 50s um, mm -hmm. in the oil and gas industry. Mm and uh and very like, narrow yeah, yeah and she's like i've never been busier and at least 60 percent of my coaches are wow. um are men mm. and about 25 percent of the people i work with are outside of the oil and gas industry mm. but because i say that and because that's who she was and who she you know the the, the um the demographic she connected with mm -hmm. the most but so many people once they saw the passion and saw her and just said actually mm. you know do you mind this time just working with me instead? You know, I know mm -hmm. you tend to work mm -hmm. with women, but could you work with some men here or mm -hmm. someone outside of your industry? Because I can see, even though you're targeted there, your expertise goes beyond mm -hmm. that. And, uh, mm -hmm. and it's definitely a, a journey that uh, people go on. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely a, a balance on that front. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, interested in, in seeing, you know, do you particularly work with people looking for the relationship um, or people who have a, are in a relationship and want to improve on it, you know, is there a, mm. a split for you? Yeah, that's a really good question, kind of following to your last point. So funnily enough, I, I started working with people in relationship. And then when I got my own marketing coach, she's brilliant or self-control, whatever she kind of calls herself, but she's fantastic. And she helped me niche down. Mm. And she was like, look, she's like, you've not been married long, you know, you've been engaged twice track record here let's focus on single people right. so I was like okay let's focus on that even though you know I was a bit scared I was like oh I don't want to close off my market and mm -hmm. yes. I want to help everyone but um I started focusing on on yeah single hardworking high achievers and then I started working organically coming to me people mm -hmm. who are in relationships Right, it's exactly like you said, yeah. and I think it's a, a split. To be honest, of fifty fifty. No, actually, that's not true. I have one, one more um single person I work with that is signed up last week. But the reality is, what I teach, whilst in the in the ninety day program specifically, sure, whilst there are a couple of weeks that are aimed specifically at singles and helping them understand the science of dating, the psychology of attraction, all of these things. I still tailor everything. It's all one-on-one, -on -one, yeah. right? It's, everything's tailored, ultra-tailored. Mm. I mean, if someone shows up with something completely different, then I pivot mm. and I have unlimited support. Like I really want to be there for my clients between every session. So everything's tailored. Everything's applicable to people who are married or in relationship. And fundamentally, probably 70% of what I do is about getting really radically connected to ourselves right? so that we can identify the right answers yeah. of how to connect with others, right? And that's applicable whether you're single, whether you're in a relationship, doesn't matter. It all starts with us. And that's so cliche yeah. and boring to hear, <laughs> but it really does. It really does. And there is science to that. Yeah. And even in the science of dating, you know, I have a qualm with kind of pickup artists and all of that dating world. Mm. So much of that is coming from a very superficial, two-dimensional, surface level way of connecting. Mm. We're sure anyone can bend themselves out of shape 
and people please and put on an act and connect. That doesn't mean it's going to last. And when crisis hits, Mm. it's certainly not going to last. And so my whole thing is how can we get you to your core of core, into your deep heart of who you really are and start the connection from there. Mm. You're saving yourself a lot of grief, a lot of expenses, a lot of wasted time and resources and money in either dating the wrong people or even God forbid, marrying the wrong person. Right. Right. Mm. Like start with that self-connection, not as sexy as, you know, pickup artist, quick win, (laughs) but it's the thing that works. So, Well, I think that's the difference, isn't it? There's a difference between a quick results, uh, snake oil type approach Mm -hmm. and someone Mm -hmm. who um, truly wants to help people be at their best, who is willing to take them through, tell them the things they don't necessarily want to hear, but help them through that journey um, yeah. and to the things that are actually going to make a difference. Um, and I, w- I was going to ask you, I think you've, you've already hit the nail on the head here, but the question I was going to ask you is what, what's the, what would be the top tip? You know, what would be the one thing to help people, you know, if they are in search of that relationship or in search of improving their relationship? Um, I'll, I'll paraphrase, you know, I'll say work on yourself. <laughs> might be the, the mm. first piece, yeah. but it, is that yeah, yeah. what you would recommend to people there? Yeah, spot on, yeah. work on yourself. And even in saying that, I'm kind of like, well, what a really vague thing to say. That's like saying, you know, I don't know, eat better. What does that right. even mean, right? Because I've been in therapy since I was 16. I still messed up. Like we can work on ourselves till the cows come home if we're not knowing what to focus on. Mm. So I think if someone is serious about finding a partner, I would ask them for, first of all, is it actually a priority? Right. Because I think there's a lot of, Yes, there's an element of letting go and and trusting the process and not forcing a connection, but it still has to be a priority. Mm. Because frankly, if you're if you are working 80 hour weeks and you know burying yourself in your social life and whatever it is, and there's no room for a partner, then it's not a priority and it's not going to happen. And the odds, I mean, it might happen, but it won't last. So yes, something around working on yourself, make it a priority. Do work on yourself if you can get some help. I had like a whole entourage behind me. Again, I was very fortunate how much help I had, you know, in the form of therapists and coaches and, and whatnot. But if I was to give like one clear bit of directive advice on what they can do, start getting familiar with this idea that everyone has core needs. Within us, we all have core needs deeper than our subconscious that drive pretty much every bit of behavior that we we enact. And in relationship your job is going to be to meet your partner's needs and for them to meet yours mm. and to meet your own needs and for them to meet their own. Right. It's a dance. And so in order to get there, you first have to identify what are your needs, get really rigorously honest and start meeting them yourself. And only when you start meeting them yourself will the rest follow because suddenly your life will begin to look different. Mm. Your work will look different. Your social life will look different. The way you go about your day will look different. And in the act of going about things differently, you'll meet different people who are aligned to your needs. You'll be able to meet your needs. You won't be needy right. because you'll be fulfilled. Yeah. And so the connections you meet will be much more organic and healthy. You will be much more organic and healthy because you begin, you'll be meeting your own needs. And from that place, it's much easier to build any type of connection. Right. Does that make sense? Certainly. And I think the the other piece, and you mentioned uh, this, I noted it down, you know, the sort of authenticity mm. um, and the authenticity of being in those situations. If you are in that situation where you're looking 
for a relationship there's a difference between um looking for a good time looking to socialize mm. looking to meet people all the rest of it but if you're serious about a relationship then a relationship is about the the nitty gritty it's about the dirty mm -hmm. um bits behind the scenes you know isn't it it's, it's mm -hmm. the, the stuff you don't see and that's the authentic self mm -hmm. and if you mm -hmm. aren't bringing that authentic self from the beginning this is you know that's will slowly get chipped away and either you'll be hiding spending all your energy hiding your authentic self anyway or your mm -hmm. authentic self will get discovered and they'll go actually that's not who i came into this relationship for so uh yeah, yeah it is it's, it's a big part of it isn't it Spot on. And I, you know what I hear all the time is, and it's wild. I, I have people who come to me who are in two-year relationships, marriages, whatever it might be, like they're invested and they haven't yet had some very fundamental conversations around what they need, right? Whether it's financial, whether it's having kids or not, whether it's how much time away they spend from each other. Because again, I see that a lot with ambitious couples is that there's a lot of travel and long distance. Yeah. And I understand it's scary. It's mm. scary to go at the beginning of a connection and bring your authentic self and be like, hey, some of my core needs are, mm. you know, I need to have X months of children or I need you to be home with me. Mm. I can't actually handle long distance at all. Right. Like It's scary to bring up things that we have shame and guilt or feel are a bit embarrassing or, you know, people are going to judge us. Mm. It's scary. And yet that's where we need to start. Because it's in these critical moments that the true connections will be formed. And if we don't go into those critical spaces from the beginning, we can spend years building a life with someone, right? Yeah. And when we get to them, it's almost too late to reveal them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. And I'm sure that, you know, everyone uh, can have their own little uh, reflection on that point alone really mm. and just see for themselves if they're, if they're bringing all of that and they're doing everything they can to be honest with themselves before uh you know bringing that to the relationships as well mm -hmm. so um yeah. let, let's uh, you've touched upon this a little bit but i always ask my guests in terms of how they help themselves perform how mm. do you be at your best and make sure that you're bringing your best to your clients yeah, really good question. Especially now, as I'm, you know, settling into my new apartment, we've got two foster cats. One's got diarrhea, and it's chaos here, chaos, absolute chaos. How do I, how do I look after myself? It really is about. I mean, my kind of biggest hack is taking a bit of time alone. Mm. Take a bit of time alone. You know, even if you have kids, even if you're in the early stages of a relationship, take that little bit of time alone, whether it's five, ten, fifteen minutes. And I go inwards and I just check in with myself. Right. And by checking in, I'm, I'm IFS trained. Like I'm not an IFS therapist, I'm not a therapist. But I do a bit of work with kind of my different parts of me. So I like to check in with, okay, well, how is my intellectual self feeling? How my emotional selves feeling? There might be different emotions going on. How does my body feel? And then I ask, what, what is it that I need? What is it that I need right now? And I'm constantly checking in with my needs. And it might be as simple as, Right now, I just need a blanket around me because I'm feeling a little bit rough. And I know I've got work to get through. But just having the soft touch of a blanket around my shoulders will calm my nervous system and allow me to flow into my work that bit more gracefully. Right. It's really simple little things, mm. right? It might be that I'm thirsty. It might be that I just want to go outside for a little bit. Yeah. But these little kind of micro actions can really become game changers for our, again, connection to ourselves because yeah. we're acting upon them. And also just for our own well-being. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure that, you know, that that's something that 
starting from scratch might not be an easy thing. Mm. Um, and I think well, I always encourage uh, all of my listeners to, you know, seek that help, you know, go out. There's yes. so many people out yeah. there who, who can help. But even if you don't, you know, there are mechanisms, just practice. And, For sure. you know, and yeah, just, yeah. It's, the, it's the repetition and the sure. uh, consistency that's half the battle in, in a lot of these For things, sure. isn't it? It's, uh, For sure. Wonderful. And mm -hmm. so if you, with your skill set and your experience, were able to go out and you were able to help one individual or one group of people or a team or even an organization, who would you want to, that to be? All the hardworking high sheets in the world. <laughs> that's <laughs> a lot of people. Um, but honestly, I, I think it would be, I would like to help as many people as I can in this space. Yeah. And I don't know yet how to do that. Right. I, I don't know. Like obviously my one-on-one -on -one capacity will become limited in the future as, as I fill up, but that is what I'd love to do. I'd love to one day write a book and to formalize the system and, yeah. you know, train other folks to actually go and teach this, this 90 day system, whatever it might be. But I know it can be really hard and lonely life out there, mm -hmm. but people who are ostensibly having it all right. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's a yeah, it's a it's a tough one. I've seen it so many times. Uh, mm. um, you know, with people who, as you say, seem to have it all, yeah. and then the one thing that they struggle with is, is the is the relationship side. And yeah, it's, uh, it is. Uh, it, it's a fantastic work that you, you're focusing in on that Thank effort you. as well. And what um, wasted energy? Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, what wasted energy? Just the final thing I'll say is like. So many people that I work with are like founders of charities, right. you know, like leaders and really important bits of work. And when I hear that their the time and mental energy is consumed with feeling lonely and feeling sad and feeling depressed and feeling anxious, mm. I'm like, it's heartbreaking. Mm. Think of the self-actualization that you could achieve and the impact on the planet you can have when that core part of your, your life is sorted. And I mean, relationship will always be work, but you want to have that stability and security and that connection as a foundation to build and create impact, right? So that's, yeah, that's the why. And if I was to flip that on its head and say, if you could sit down and have a drink, have a meal, have a, a chat and a coffee with anybody, or it, you know, it can be anybody uh, dead, alive, imaginary, whatever it might be, that you think just by spending that time with them, you could help your performance and just up your, mm. up your game to the next level. Who would that be? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. It would be either my own mentor, which I think I mentioned to you earlier, Lisa Page, only because I love her to bits and <laughs> I don't have enough time with her and I would love to have more time with her. But actually, it would probably be one of my original teachers, John Wineland. He's very big in the US. I think he's kind of somewhat known in the UK. Right. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't even know what it would be like to work with him one on one. I, I would absolutely love to do that. But so much of his teachings at the beginning, I didn't quite get. And then they began to land with me. And I'm still curious, like, what is his perspective on you know, the ambitious, high-achieving demographic? Because that's something I don't hear mm -hmm. the big relationship teachers talking about much. Yeah. And I'm always going to be curious, like, what is your perspective? Yeah. Am I the only one who has an opinion on this? <laughs> like, are we that misunderstood? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I'd love to talk to him. Oh, brilliant. Um, and finally, then, how can people find out more? And specifically, you know, we're, we're recording this in November. You we were talking before the show about something you're doing specifically in December. Can you tell us a bit more about that and then tell people how can they get in touch? How can they uh, find out more about what you're doing? Yeah, great question. So recognizing that the holidays can be a pretty tough time 
right? A tough time for people who have to go back to family and get interrogated, like, why are you still single? All of that rubbish. People who don't have a family that they want to go home to. I've spent one Christmas alone, you know, in Vancouver during COVID, and it was horrific, absolutely horrific. I was I was not in a good place. And then people who are in relationship, and they're also struggling because actually the holidays bring up a lot of Mm. A lot of stuff. Um, so I'm doing a workshop, a two-hour workshop. It'll be online. Yeah. And it's open to anyone and everyone who wants to join. Don't have to be a hardworking high achiever. And uh, it's all about surviving the holidays. And so in that workshop, I'll be going through the different elements of mindset. So looking at where are we keeping ourselves back? Where are we getting in our own way to help us thrive? And thrive might be a strong word, but help us do a little bit more than just survive during yeah. the holidays. I also will be talking about gender dynamics, which is kind of an interesting angle to be bringing up around the holiday season. But really what I'll be talking about there is how can we harness the masculine feminine energies within all of us to actually feel more grounded, feel more balanced, overcome any burnout, recharge. And it sounds a bit woo-woo, I know. It's not. (laughs) I'll explain it all really clearly in the workshop. And it's um, a bit of a game changer when we think about how we can help ourselves get through this is going to be a creative, creative exercise time. Um, yeah, I would love Brilliant. to have your listeners there. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be pointing people in the right direction for mm-hmm. that. Because, you know, as you say, the holidays, it's one of those, uh, on reflection, it's one of those where you're forced to spend that time. Yeah. And even if you say you want to spend that time, it's not necessarily what you've planned. You're all, Typically, if you're a high achiever, you're high working, then there's a lot of pressure up to that point of, Got to get everything finished before we go on holiday. Mm -hmm. And then it's like that burnout, that fizzle. uh, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, oh, wonderful. Definitely be pointing people in the right direction there. So where where can people find out more? Where where do we point them to? Yeah, so if people want to find out more about the workshop, best thing to do is honestly just email me and I'll I'll send you the link to sign up. Yep. Um, And my email address is Katerina, that's K-A-T-A-R-I-N-A, at katerinapolonska.com. So first name, last name, dot com. And you can also book a call with me directly on my website, which is just www.katerinepolonska.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn yep. um, for the people who live on LinkedIn like I do. <laughs> and my name on there is a little bit different. My name is Katerina Polonsky with a Y. Okay. Um, good old Eastern European naming con- conventions there. But uh, yeah, either email, LinkedIn, website, whatever works. Brilliant. Well, we'll make sure all of those links are in the show notes awesome. and highly recommend anybody to go out and check that out and, and check in with yourself uh, mm-hmm. as much as anything, you know, and seek out the help, seek out the guidance that uh, that Katerina can can bring to that. And uh, yeah, I mean, thank you so much for, for bringing your wisdom, wisdom to today's uh, show. And I'm really looking forward to finding out more and seeing how many people you can actually help with this because it's a awesome. it's an, an amazing topic that you're helping people perform at their best. So thanks so much thank for being on the show today, Katerina Polonska. Thank you so much for having me. Cheers. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, then please give the podcast a rate, review and share. I'm Paul Teasdale, and from sausage making to banking, oil and gas to Formula One, I help people perform. If you'd like to find out more and have a conversation, contact me via helpingpeopleperform.com.